You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Orlando Magic. We'll touch on that in the third segment of the show here today. First segment, we are looking at the future beyond this year, beyond next year, further than maybe even 10 years down the line here in New Orleans, why I'm not concerned about Seattle or the team moving anytime soon. I'll tell you guys why I'm thinking all of this, and there is a precedent for this in the NBA. Then in the second segment, let's get down to tampering. The NBA levied a fine yesterday for tampering with Anthony Davis. Probably not to the team and owner you were thinking of, though. I'll tell you guys who that was, why they needed to do it, and then what might be in store for the Lakers and everything regarding them because they stuck their fingers in it again in maybe what's just the silliest, most avoidable situation they could have, but they didn't. So I'll give you an update on that as well. So let's dive right into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So something that's come up a lot recently with this Anthony Davis drama that has nothing to do really with the play of the team on the court or the players they may or may not trade for has been the future of this franchise. Could Anthony Davis leaving spell the end of basketball here in New Orleans? And on its surface, these questions make sense. You know, the attendance isn't one of the best in the league. It's probably in the bottom five. I don't have the figures in front of me here. They often are playing to a half-full arena that's not even remotely close to the number of tickets that they say sold actual attendance. And so you've got to wonder about the interest in the team, the profits of the team. And does that mean that the Benson family, Gail Benson, might just move on from them? And just get rid of this asset that doesn't seem to be worth it. And I've talked a little bit about it on here. I've said, you know, she is was the driving force for Tom to purchase the team, wanting to keep them here in New Orleans. She's very concerned about his legacy. So you have to imagine that she wouldn't want to do anything that kind of soils that or hurts that, which selling the team certainly would do. I've also said she's got no direct heirs right now. She has a brother, but I doubt he's kind of in line to receive the teams or anything like that. So who's she trying to sell this team for, say, the $2 billion that it's worth and leave that cash to? I would assume, and I don't know their bank accounts or anything, but if you have $100 million in the bank or $300 million in the bank, let's say, do you really need another $2 billion worth of cash on hand when you have that much liquidity already? Not necessarily, again, don't know for sure, but you have to figure there's enough places that would lend her money for anything she might need. Um, and what I believe they're starting a winery. They have Dixie Beer now. They have all of the brew, um, all of the racehorses, plus the two franchises. And you certainly know the uh, Saints are generating a lot of cash and they're profitable. So what does she need another $2 billion in cash for? And I I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. When you have that much money on hand already, does more really do anything for you? Potentially. Now, the one thing that I could see 
uh, if she were to sell the team and what she would use that $2 billion for would be uh, charity. They're known as a charitable family. They were with Tom and Gail there. Gail, we know in December, paid off a bunch of layaway items at the Walmart on Chapatulis for families. They were, I believe, at one point in the recent past, uh, the top donor in the world to Catholic charities, I think. And so they're obviously very charitably minded to certain things. So maybe they just want to sell the team, get the cash, and then donate that all if that's something that really matters to them. And it could be. But I don't think that's what the plan is for the future of this team. So if we look at Gail Benson as the owner, and I don't know the exact current ownership situation, what corporation it's in or anything like that, but certainly Gail, I would assume, is the owner here. So what is the plan for the future? Because succession is important and trying to keep the team here in the city, let's say it's important to her. So how do they go about doing that and what is kind of going to be the plan here? And there's been a precedent set recently uh, for this back in 2017 with the Utah Jazz. Their owner, also a Gail, Gail Miller, uh, put the team into what's called a legacy trust. And her quote when she did this was, it's a very uh, a part of a big package of estate planning, but but it's one part that's all done and it will last forever as long as we have people that are willing and able to take care of it. This is what I expect to see the Pelicans do. You would assume that either while she's alive or once she passes, as my dog barks in the background here, that the team, the Pelicans, and the Saints too, are likely to be put into a trust similar to this that then has trustees that run the team. The way the Jazz have it set up, again, as my dog is barking, is that all profits generated by the team and therefore the trust are reinvested back into the trust. So it's not like they're just going to pull out money and line their pockets with it. So the trustees have no financial incentive or get no financial incentive from this. So whatever profits are there, you just kind of put back into the team. And if it's cash and they don't have anything to spend it on, you build up a reserve of cash, which is just never a bad thing to do. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing of this. So either the way the Jazz one set up is Gail Miller is the sole trustee of the new trust that controls the team. And then once she passes, it'll be six of her family members that then run the team and are in charge, basically like a board of directors. And I'm sure there's a voting process and a vetting process to have them put into the trust of the team. There would probably be something similar to that. So say Gail's the sole trustee and this is done sooner rather than later, and it could already be done for all I know. I am expecting that there will be some announcement at some point in the future regarding this. I just don't know when. And so once Gail either passes or is no longer the trustee of the team, then it would go to others. And you would have to basically assume that's Mickey Loomis, Dennis Lausha, um, Greg Bensell, and maybe others that are kind of the almost, you know, you call them lieutenants for this franchise, for this ownership group. And they've been there for a while. They'd get Maybe they get profits. Maybe they don't get profits from the team. I would assume no. And all profits are reinvested back into the team. And basically, that's the group that then controls the franchise. Maybe there would be others in there too. And then there's a plan in place to add and remove people as needed. Basically, this just means as long as there's a bunch of people who want to run this team and keep them here in New Orleans, they're not going anywhere. They have no financial incentive to sell the team because if the trust sells the team, the profits of that are kind of reinvested back in there. So it doesn't make as much sense. 
But that's also where it gets a little bit complicated. If they were to sell the team, what then does happen to the money? Does it get put into the trust? And then it's just kind of sitting in a trust. But basically, it seems like they don't have a financial, it's, you know, they don't get the money if they sell the team. So there's not as much incentive for these people who are running the franchise at that point, the trust, to sell the team. And because of that, I just don't see why it would be moved. I don't think it would be moved. And now that there's a precedent to keep a team in a smaller market like Salt Lake City, I think we have what we'll see this team do eventually, which is a great Thing. It ensures the future of this franchise against pretty much anything, um, even a star player who wants to leave. So that's why I'm not worried about the team leaving. Another thing I'm not really worried about are teams tampering with the Pelicans because it doesn't do a whole lot of good. And clearly Anthony Davis is still here and he's not on the Lakers. But we need to talk about it. We'll talk about it coming up with what Magic Johnson did with the 76ers. The fine being leveled against another franchise. Was someone else tampering in this? What the hell is going on, NBA? But before we do that, got to tell you guys to make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. That was a hell of a trade deadline a lot going on a lot to make sense of things are the 76ers legitimate title contenders now after that and they've looked good in their two games so far with Tobias Harris beating the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers both pretty handily we're covering all of that and more over at the Locked On NBA podcast so make sure you listen and subscribe to keep up with everything going on around the association Some more tampering news and a fine getting dished out, which is on itself a good thing, but it wasn't to the Lakers and not to a team that you were thinking of at all. The fine actually went against uh, Mark Lazary of the Milwaukee Bucks getting fined $25,000. When the hell did that dude tamper, right? That's what I said when I saw that fine was dished out, and I actually had to Google this. Apparently, when that list of teams that Anthony Davis would resign with came out and the Bucks were on it, he came out and said to the media, you know, or when asked a question about it, and he said, you know, yeah, we love to hear that players like Anthony Davis want to come to the Bucks. That's a good thing. That's what we want. Um, and so he shouldn't have mentioned Anthony Davis, and he got fined $25,000. This is pretty innocuous. This is not a big deal. I don't think anything malicious was meant by it. Um, I'm sure they're contri- they've tried to make an offer. They don't really have anything appealing. So it's not going to happen, and we can kind of move on from this. Just stop talking about other teams' players, including a guy named Magic Johnson who went and did it again this weekend. And I mentioned it in the podcast yesterday that he came out and said, you know, yeah, I'd love to, like, help Ben Simmons. Um, you know, and if the Sixers sign off on this, if we sign off on this, if the league signs off on this, I'll talk with him this offseason. What the hell? Now, this is in response to a reporter asking him, you know, do you enjoy watching Ben Simmons play? And it can easily just be a yes or no answer. Or you should say, you know, I can't comment on any other team's players. Simple. You don't have to talk. Because this thing then kind of spiraled out of control in the stupidest way. And actually isn't a big deal. And I don't think the Lakers are going to be fine for tampering with this, even though the league said they're now investigating the Lakers again. What it sounds like actually happened was someone in Ben Simmons camp said, hey, he'd like to talk to Magic Johnson. They mentioned this to a 76ers staffer, like a lower level guy, who then reached out to the lake, emailed the Lakers, who then talked to Magic about, or Rob Palinka about it. Then Palinka emailed 76ers GM Elton Brand, and Elton Brand shot it down. Because Elton Brand went on the radio yesterday saying, you know, they asked us about this a month ago, and I said no, and I don't know why this is getting brought up. And it made it look like the Lakers had already reached out 
to the 76ers a month ago. The Sixers said no, and the Magic Johnson is talking about it. This is already confusing, isn't it? But that isn't actually what happened. Brand then went and clarified his comments that, yeah, you know, the apparently the Sixers asked them first. They then went back to the Sixers, and then the Sixers went back to the Lakers and said no. And this is not a story. Like, this is nothing at this point. Um, but Magic Johnson just has to talk. And it's just like, dude, shut up up this isn't hard don't talk about other teams players you're making your team the lakers look like a laughing stock around the league there was a report that uh brian winhorse had said teams around the league were texting him and others laughing about what the lakers did what the uh, with the anthony davis stuff how it didn't work out this is kind of considered like a win around the league that the lakers kind of had this door slammed in their face um and if you're the lakers just stop be professional. This isn't hard. This is why I don't think it's smart for teams to not negotiate in good faith. And I don't think that's what the Pelicans did. And I think they did negotiate in good faith and just didn't like the package. But if you do that, other teams aren't going to want to deal with you. And right now you have get the prevailing feeling that teams don't want to deal with the Los Angeles Lakers because of all of this crap. Also, what the hell is Magic Johnson doing wanting to help out another player in the league that's with another team? You're not just Magic Johnson anymore. You're the president of basketball operations for the Lakers. You're beholden to that team, not the 76ers and helping Ben Simmons grow, a guy that just beat you the other night. That's not what you want. That's not in your best interest. Um, so this whole thing is just unnecessary, weird, and the Lakers just don't seem like they get it, but they need to step in and do something because, frankly, this is just an awful look for them, and it's pissing off people around the league, not just here in New Orleans. All right, so it's a game day in the Crescent City. Before we get to that, the Saints are still a thing. The NFL Combine's coming up soon. Who are they going to be targeting? What are positions of need? What other moves can they make in the offseason? And there's no better place to keep up with all of that than the Locked On Saints podcast. Make sure you listen and subscribe. All right, the Orlando Magic come to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans in the Smoothie King Center. Really not much to this. Um, the Magic aren't great, but they're probably better than the Pelicans are right now, though the Pelicans have played particularly well with the Anthony Davis news and now with him back into the starting lineup. Orlando's 25-32, and 32, same record as New Orleans. They do have some pretty good names there um, and didn't really do much shakeup at the trade deadline other than really trading for Markel Fultz, which was actually a decent move by them. Injury news, Fultz obviously going to be out. Mo, uh, Mo Bamba, their first-round pick, is going to be out indefinitely as well for the team. Uh, they're led by Aaron Gordon, who is or, sorry, Nikola Vucevic, who's averaging 20.5 points per game. He's been excellent this year. He's doing it on 38% from three. Aaron Gordon's 15.8 points per game. He grabs seven boards. By the way, Vucevic grabbing 12. Aaron Gordon shooting pretty decent from three as well, 43.4%. Evan Fournier, long rumored Pelican target for a lot, 14.9 points. Terrence Ross, who I can't believe wasn't moved at the trade deadline, is a guy off the bench to help like a playoff team uh, at 14.7 points per game. They are in need of a point guard though, so that's maybe where the Pelicans are going to have an advantage. Anthony Davis is playing in this one, and on another injury update, you've got Alfred Payton being a maybe, according to head coach Alvin Gentry. We'll see how this one goes. Again, we're just really looking for good minutes from Drew, from Kenrich Williams, from Frank Jackson, 
um, as well as maybe Jaleel Okafor, though. I think he's out in this one. I don't think we've gotten an update on that yet. Um, or maybe he's going to be playing. We'll see. I don't have it here. We'll find out as we get closer to the game. Hopefully he can be a go because they've been fun to watch these young guys play, attack, and just do their thing. I'm assuming Anthony Davis is going to get booed again. We'll see how that kind of goes. Do the Pelicans mix anything up in the intros? I'm curious about that also, knowing that he's going to be booed. So we'll see, and I'll let you guys know how that goes tomorrow. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.